muscular gentlemen this is gonna be a fun episode um i'm actually going to dive in just me um i've been fortunate enough to have a bunch of guests on the show so far but i've been excited to actually bring you um an episode with just me being able to just chat about um well today we're gonna chat about fitness uh, a little bit about nutrition but really talk about fitness some of the myths that are out there a lot of questions that i get asked on a regular basis um, since owning a gym for the last 11 years, there's a lot of typical questions that come in and a lot of times people just don't ever find the answer or, um, sometimes they forget to ask uh, a professional or somebody that's been doing this for 20 plus years. So I want to dive in and address those things, um, and answer some of those, those common questions that you might have, um, maybe even debunk a few things that you might have thought was the case when it comes to nutrition or fitness or things like that. So. This is going to be a blast. Um, I'm excited to do this with you guys. So let's jump in and uh, let's address some some fitness and nutrition myths and questions. And uh, let's see what I can do to help you guys out. All right, let's jump in. Welcome to the Muscular Gentleman. Muscular Gentleman. Where we don't apologize for being men. Masculinity. Sex fitness and attraction helping men reclaim their masculine edge improve their sex life get the body they've always wanted and master their mindset to build a life worth living this is the muscular gentleman and now your host rustin webb here we are all right so what we've got the first question that i hear a uh, pretty common question that i get uh often is i want to lose weight and a lot of times they'll say, I want to lose my, a lot of guys say, I want to lose my gut. I hear that all the time. Or you hear women say, I want to lose fat on the back of my arms or, you know, things like that. Super common for most people to want to lose a section of fat from their body. They'll say something like, well, my upper body looks pretty good. And, you know, my chest looks all right, but this gut is killing me. Or some guys have man boobs, right? They've got the, the fat all around their chest and it doesn't look good and they don't like that. Um, that's uh, what we call gynoclamastia, which is kind of more a medical term for that. So um, that's a common place where men want to lose. I tend to gain a little bit of fat in the, my lower back. That's where I hold uh, fat the most. And so it's, it's something I have to fight when I'm trying to cut as, as much as possible. So that's a spot for me. So we all have these areas of the body. And the problem is most people think they can target that area. So for instance, the gentleman that wants to lose the gut, he does sit-ups in the morning. He does sit-ups at the gym. Uh, he tries to eat a little bit better and things like that, thinking that over time, the gut will go away. And uh, unfortunately, that's not how it works. And I'll explain that too in just a second. The other thing is, is you'll see um, somebody with, with like arm fat, right? They'll do a million triceps exercises, thinking that they're going to target that fat on the back of their arm. You also get, um, you know, glute, you know, butt. people want to lo either lose their butt or make their butt more defined. So they'll do a million. You'll see, you'll see women wanting nicer butts um, on the uh, Stairmaster or the climb, you know, it's, kind of, it's like a revolving stairway. And they'll do these extensions at the end of each step as if they're adding a little bit of an extra glute, you know, exercise to cut the fat and tone their glutes a little bit more. Um, or you'll see, um, you know, women doing a million lunges, thinking that all the fat from their thighs and their butt is going to just fall off. So these are the common kind of approaches everyone takes. And let me just debunk this really quickly. So when you put on fat on your body, do you have a choice of where it goes? And the answer is no, you don't, <laughs> right? Genetically, we're all predispositioned based on our, our genetic code to put fat on certain areas of our body than others. Like I said, I have lower back. Uh, I gain fat in the lower back. Some people gain weight in their, in their stomach. Some people gain weight in the back of their arms and they carry a lot of weight there. Some people it's their thighs. Like I've seen, I've met people where all their weight goes to their lower body for some weird reason. And some people have, you know, neck fat there. I mean, it's just the, it, the spectrum is super broad, right? But every one of us doesn't get to choose where that fat goes. It's completely up to our genetic code and the way our body wants to put on the fat. Here's the, here's the, part here that you need to understand. 
it's the exact same way that it comes off. Okay. So you don't get a choice of how you take fat off the body, just as what, just the same way it goes on your body. So what you have to do is basically speed up the metabolism, build as much muscle as possible. And when I say that people, guys listening, that doesn't mean bulk up to look like a bodybuilder. It doesn't mean bulk up to look ridiculous. You don't, when I say put on as much muscle as possible, I mean that. I mean, literally try to put on as much muscle as possible. I'm speaking to everyone. I'm speaking to women too. Um, I, of 20 years, I've never had anybody get too bulked up and they were upset about it. And, and when I say for that, for women, I mean, they, they've never bulked up this bulking up, getting huge and looking like uh, a bodybuilder with a deep voice. We're talking about somebody who's enhancing themselves with, with, uh, supplements they shouldn't be taking. They're enhancing themselves with, you know, um, lifting to where they're trying, they're eating to try to put on a ton of weight. But most people that I know that are trying to get more muscular toned and fit are not eating enough anyway. So that's typically a problem. But in order to lose the fat where you want those target areas we just talked about, it's a combination of your diet. It's a combination. So eating to lose weight. So we'll talk about that in a second, but it's uh, your diet. And then it's an overall workout to build muscle. You're never going to target a specific area. So I could do a billion crunches and I'm never going to get rid of my gut unless I'm just lifting consistently, eating right consistently, and letting my body eventually go there. Like I said, my lower back seems to hold my fat um, the most in that spot for whatever reason. So when I cut down into that 5% body fat range, you've seen, I'm sure, some of my photos um, on Instagram and, and uh, Facebook, things like that, you'll see some of these fitness shoots that I've done. I'll get into that five or 6% body fat range. And, and you'll even, I mean, you'd have to be very meticulous about trying to look at this, but you'll see that uh, my lower back holds fat. And that's the last spot my body wants to go to grab fat as an energy source. And that's fine. It is what it is, but that's what you have to understand. I know that about my body. You'll, you probably know, maybe it's the back of your arms, which really sucks. Maybe it's your gut, which really, but it's, it's different for everyone. So you have to continue to lose weight, continue to cut yourself in a caloric deficit in your diet till you get to the point where your body decides to pull fat from that area. And that is a patience game. It's a game of waiting, but staying consistent and staying committed to what your goals are. That's how you approach targeting a certain area. And it's basically, you're just giving your, you're, you're giving it up to your genetics and waiting for uh, your body to respond in the right way. But sometimes it's the last spot that you want it to be. So that is that. Do not think you can target weight loss in the area of your body. It's not going to happen. Okay. And if you're going to buy those like um, belts and all these different things, don't do that. Okay. You're wasting your time, your money, your energy, um, all these other things, right? Your hopes and dreams. So don't go there um, and, and just know that it's, it's, it's a big process. All right. The next question um, are rest days. What do I, you know, how often should I work out? This is actually a complicated question. So I'm going to actually give you the, the right answer here. Um, when it comes to how many rest days you should take, it, one, it depends on what you're doing. Are you doing yoga every day? Uh, if that's the case, I'd say you rest when you're sore. <laughs> Uh, and tour, you're too sore, right? And you need to recover. Otherwise, maybe you can go seven days a week. I don't know. Yoga is not, um, I would say, intense enough. Now, if you just started off and you're a beginner to exercise in general and you start doing yoga, maybe that's intense enough for a little while. Your body will eventually adapt. So your rest day might be once a week. I don't know. But there's not a perfect answer for this. Uh, if you lift weights, you know, I recommend four to five days a week of lifting weights for most of my clients. And so two days a week of rest is adequate for them. That gives them enough time with their nutrition in check to recover. Now, I used to own a gym for 11 years and I used to have uh, boot camps that I would run on a regular basis. And we had strength sessions, um, sometimes back to back, things like that. And I would have clients lifting weights or doing boot camp seven days a week. And you know what? I would tell them on a regular basis, stop doing that. Take a rest day get your body to come, you know, rest and recover. And what unfortunately they wouldn't do is listen to me. And you'd see all this overtraining happening. They'd come to me months later and they'd say, why didn't I get any results? Or why am I stagnant? Why am I stuck? 
It's because more isn't better, ladies and gentlemen, and more specifically gentlemen for the muscular gentlemen. Um, but more is not better when it comes to this kind of stuff. So if, if, you know, you're thinking, oh, I need to lift seven days a week or I'll, you know, I'll do two a days or whatever. <laughs> Look, I'm telling you, your body needs that re- recovery. It's vital and actually get the most growth from that. You get the most muscle growth. You get the most response that you, a positive response you're looking for by taking a rest day. So overdoing it, I, I think it's far too common for people to overtrain way too fast, especially at the beginning. Okay. And I see people that, you know, they're, they're, they're starting off on their fitness journey and they're gung ho and they're excited, which they should be. But unfortunately what they do is they overdo it. And I'll typically see somebody get sick in the first three to four weeks of working out for the first time in a really long time, um, because their, their system is just on overload. They're overtraining immediately. So what I suggest is if you're just starting off, go slow, take two or three rest days and let your body recover. The goal is not to beat yourself up to where you are dragging yourself to your car or dragging yourself to, you know, upstairs. If you work out at home, um, that's not the point. If you can't even sit on the toilet the next day or two days later, and, and you need help, you know, moving around, you've overdone it. Like the body doesn't need that, that crazy response where you're just beat up for days and days and days off of one workout. That's instantly overtraining. So there is something you need to pay attention to there when you're first starting out. Now, if you've been going for a while, I say ramp up the intensity of your workouts for those four or five days a week and still take the recovery day. I'd rather you see you do that and get a better response from that. So, you know, if you're, if you're wanting to get or maximize your results and your efforts in the gym, still take that rest day. Okay. It's vital. Take the rest days. Okay, whether it's one or two days a week, I suggest two um, for most people, and uh, and your body's going to respond. If you don't think you're getting enough, it's probably the intensity level or what you're creating within those four or five workouts out of the week. That's what we should be looking at. And let's look at your posture. Let's look at how good your posture is throughout the exercise. Let's go- look at your technique. Let's look at muscle activation. Are you using your prime movers to do the exercise? Because those things are going to be what we should be looking into, not, oh, I just need to do more, right? And so I think a lot of people get the wrong mindset when it comes to their efforts and their fitness journey. It's always more is better, but it's not. It's it's how much more perfect can you get, right? When you're working out, how how much can you maximize your efforts with each rep, with each uh, set with each exercise you pick. And that's something I focus on in the muscular gentleman program with my guys. We really hone in on technique and I've had so many guys come to me and go, Holy cow. I had no idea that, you know, that's actually how you're supposed to do a deadlift. I didn't know that's how you're supposed to do a squat. I didn't know these are the key markers I'm looking for. And all of a sudden they're like, I'm getting stronger within days. I had a guy that I just started, um, from another country. I'm not going to go too far into that, but amazing gentleman. I'm, I'm so glad he's part of the program, but he's already seen gains with me. Um, and he's been working with, with some of the top guys out there already seeing gains within several weeks of working with me. And it's because I think he's starting to see maybe some better ways or maybe some different ways to do things where he can maximize his, his efforts. So uh, just understand that when you get with the right coach and the right professional, when it comes to the way you lift and you, the way you work out, there really is better techniques. There really are better ways to do stuff in the gym. And it's not more. It's not more days of the week, okay? I've seen guys get incredible results with three, three times a week uh, or four times a week. Or I, I think twice a week is not enough, to be honest with you, for most people. I just don't think it's enough to stimulate the system and create really. But, I, but that doesn't mean that people aren't getting results that way. So again, there's outliers um, and there's no perfect way to do this. But rest days need to be based on you. Uh, the variables that we're looking at, if you're doing Zumba versus lifting weights versus doing cardio, all those different types of things. Okay, so pay attention to that stuff. Really, what you should do is get with a coach and figure out what's going to be best for you, figure out where you're starting from or what you've got in your background. You know, if you've been working out your whole life and you haven't stopped, then there's ways to readdress, you know, how many rest days and how we do it. But just because you've been a pro, you know, lifter or something like that for years and years, doesn't mean you shouldn't have to take, you don't have to take a rest day. I've been doing this for 20 years. 
I take rest days because I know the impact that it has on my body. I've been in situations where I've pushed myself to six, seven days a week. And I promise you, my strength levels weren't going up. My, um, my results weren't like any better than if I was going five days a week. So anyway, hopefully that helps answer that question. So we'll kind of debunk that right there. Just take rest days. You've got to, don't go seven days a week. I don't care how long you've been doing this. It doesn't mean that your body's like, oh, it's, if you don't get sleep for a couple nights out of a week and you're going seven days a week, or you're eating crappy or you're drinking beer. Cause you always want to hit up the beer, you know, with your friends and things like that. There's so many variables that are going to throw you off to where seven days a week are just never going to work. Okay. Um, all right, let's move on to the next one. <laughs> Um, so, uh, we're looking at back-to-back workouts. This is a good question. Um, I, I, like I said, I used to own a gym. We used to have boot camps. We used to have strength training. Uh, we had mobility training, things like that. And I would have clients do back-to-back. They do a boot camp and then strength training. I just can't tell you how much I don't recommend that. And I would tell all of them, like we're, we have them back-to-back because of the schedule, but that doesn't mean you should be doing it back-to-back. Two, two, that's two hours. So you're doing a boot camp, which has intense lifting and cardio, kind of a mix, kind of a hit style type of training. Um, and then you've got strength training and we're really tearing up the muscle tissue there. And you're going to go back to back. Talk about muscle wasting. I tell all of them, you should be drinking BCAAs while you're doing these workouts, because I promise you, you're not saving muscle. Uh, it, it's just, it, it blows my mind that, I mean, look, Maybe you feel better mentally because you're pushing that hard for two hours, but I can tell you your body is not excited about it and you're, you're using up muscle. Anytime you go past 45 minutes in intense workouts, you're going to start to push toward you know, depleting your glycogen storage units. You're going to start pushing towards using muscle as an energy source and wasting muscle tissue. Okay. So, you know, when you look at these, these triathletes and these guys that are doing crazy hundred you know, mile marathons, things like that, they're downing glucose. They're downing sugar throughout these races and throughout even their, their practice, their, their training uh, protocols, because they know they're losing muscle. Um, I've yet to see a really solid hundred miler or, you know, uh, an ultra marathoner with a lot of muscle mass. It's just too hard. Um, I've trained multiple triathletes and I've trained multiple um, distance runners. And I'm I'm telling you right now, if you want to have a good physique, gentlemen, and you want to be muscular, toned, you know, ripped, feel good, have energy all the time. If you're a distance guy, you know, it's just going to be hard to maintain that type of physique. It's just not as easy. And it takes a really good coach to hone in your nutrition. And let me tell you what, you're going to, you got to be dialed in if you want to see those kind of results. So, um, yeah, that's my, my take on back-to-back workouts is you're, you're wasting muscle and I don't recommend it. Now here's the caveat there. We had mobility training sessions, these got you sweating a little bit, but it wasn't hard on the muscle tissue. It was more activation. We activate muscle tissue. And this is actually in my, I do online mobility uh, follow-along workouts with my gentlemen, um, which is phenomenal. These workouts are, I love them. They've done so well. In fact, my mobility training has done so well that I've created a mobility course uh, for trainers, fit pros and gym owners, online trainers, things like that all over the world. And I'm, I'm bragging here, sorry. Uh, but but I've sold a, a done for you like 28 day mobility challenge to these folks as well, so they can use it with all their clients. And the feedback has just been unreal. But I have this in the muscular gentleman, which is really cool because my guys get to go in and do mobility work for seven eight minutes a day on top of their workouts. If you're doing that back to back, even if when I had my gym we had, we did it for like 45 minutes or so, and then had like a strength session or then had a boot camp. If you're doing those back-to-back, that's different, right? We're not muscle wasting. We're actually prepping the body for using the right muscles, the prime movers. We're kind of prepping the body for what we call functional movement. And then when you lift weights after doing mobility work, you're actually optimizing the way you lift, okay? Your performance levels, not stretching. There's a difference. I'm going to go into mobility and flexibility and the difference between that. So hang tight in this episode because I'll go through that. But um, doing a back-to-back like that, that's completely different. All right. Um, another example where it would be okay is if you lifted weights, let's say for 45 minutes or so, and then you finished up with like 15, maybe 20 minutes tops 
of some light, slow cardio, okay? Um, long, slow distance uh, training. Again, you're not trying to crazy go crazy. You're not trying to exhaust the system, but you might just be finishing up with 15 minutes or so on a treadmill, walking kind of at an incline uh, and maybe at like a three or four on speed, like nothing, nothing crazy. You're just a nice, you know, pace on the treadmill. That's okay too. All right. Now with that said, typically if I do that for my training, cause I'm trying to cut for something at the end of my workouts, if I am doing any type of cardio, I'll, I'll typically sip on BCAAs while I'm doing the cardio. Cause I want to make sure I don't waste any muscle. And, and when I say BCAAs, I mean, branch chain amino acids. Uh, these are just, these are proteins you know, broken down into an amino acid state where our body can soak those up and use them to protect the muscle, to rebuild muscle, things like that. So, um, and yeah, so BCAs are, are, are a great supplement that I recommend to a lot of people. I think they're very helpful in a lot of ways. So um, yeah, that's, that's the only thing I would say with back-to-back workouts. So hopefully that answers your question, but don't overdo it. Again, this overtraining thing, I see it too often. I see people's body look the exact same for like four years straight because, and they're just training all the time. And I don't know what they're going home to do with their food and how they're eating, but I promise you it's a, it's like a combination of not eating and dialing in the nutrition and then going into muscle wasting because they're just going so hard and so often that their body never really gets to recover. It never gets to recover to where it's going to lift heavier the next time. Um, all right. That rants over <laughs> this, this episode's fun. Actually, I'm just, I'm just going to rant the whole time. So I hope you, I hope you're ready. So buckle up. <laughs> Um, okay. Now we got, um, one rep max. Oh my gosh. This is, this is one of my favorite things to talk about. Okay. I see this posted on Facebook and Instagram all the time. And I think there's some ego involved here. Okay. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to judge anyone because I've been here before and I've done this as well. But I think what happens as guys is we get our ego into this space where we think it's so important that we can squat more than our buddy, or we can bench press more than anybody in the gym, or we can, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm super strong. Look, your strength is only important at a level that it's functional and you can use it on a daily basis. All right. Um, and, And what I mean by that is you don't need to be going into strongman competitions, okay? Actually, I know a guy, a buddy of mine that, that's all into the strongman competitions, and that's fine, okay? But you know what's unfortunate about this is that industry or that side of the fitness industry, you'll see like power lifters doing the squat, bench, deadlifts, all that stuff. Unfor- they like have this idea that, it, and again, there's probably some something behind this, but they all get these huge guts. They have these big beer bellies, and they're trying to push super, super, super heavy weight. But what they don't understand is when you have a certain amount of fat on your body, especially around your stomach as a man, you're actually raising estrogen levels to a point that it's lowering and causing issues with your testosterone levels. So it's problematic to have this giant gut, even though you're trying to be this like super strong macho man who can lift all this weight, it's actually causing issues for you. And Look, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue against these guys who lift th- this amount of weight and have these big beer guts because I can't compete with them. But I can tell you from just a living better, feeling better, um, leveling up your life, which is the point of the muscular gentleman, right? We want to be the best version of ourselves. That includes having good high energy, having high testosterone levels, um, you know, being present with our family. There's so many things, right, to, to being the best version of ourselves. I just don't think having the beer belly is going to be the best version of yourself. Um, now for those listening, if you are a, a power lifter, um, and you want to dial in your nutrition, you should, you should get a hold of me <laughs> because there's ways you can still lift extremely well and be an incredible power lifter or an Olympic weightlifter without a giant beer gut. Okay. Um, and if you think you're going all the way, well then follow the guys that are the, you know, the top dogs and, and get the beer belly. Cause apparently that's the way, that's what it seems to be typical about the best in the world. But um, if this is just a hobby and you just want to feel good because you like that, uh, then you should still get your, you don't need the beer gut because you're not going all the way. You're not trying to go pro or some crazy, crazy thing. So I just think the guy, guys listening, don't like, like get some perspective on what you're trying to do with your fitness. 
What it should be is how functional can I get? How can I move to where I don't get injured? How can I lift heavy enough to where I feel strong, but I, but I'm not press. I'm not uh, putting so much stress on my joints that I'm going to tear uh, tendons, ligaments, problems where, you know, we've got a, a rotator cuff torn and things like that. That's the ego guys. You don't need that. I'm telling you, I've, I've learned the hard way. I've, I haven't torn anything to some crazy degree. I did tear ham or a, uh, torn hamstrings from sprinting in college. And I've torn my Achilles from playing uh, flag football with my brother-in-law. Uh, so I've done some stupid stuff, but as far as the weight room goes, uh, I've managed to really maintain a fairly injury-free lifestyle and I've had tweaks. We all do. You work around those, but as far as just being able to stay healthy with my shoulders, my knees, my hips, things like that, man, it's, it's technique, it's form. It's making sure your ego's in check. Um, and this one rep max thing, nobody cares to be honest with you. Right. Um, I was just talking to a buddy who joined the muscular gentleman. We're both golfers and we we're talking about um, how, you know, he was in a competition and the guy got really upset with him for several reasons, which he shouldn't have gotten upset with him in the first place. But uh, this gentleman in, in my, in my program, he was like, I, nobody, when you go home, nobody cares what you did on the golf course, right? Like it doesn't matter. And honestly, it's just, it's just a, it's golf. Like you're not a professional. It's not on TV. Nobody's paying attention to it. Like nobody cares. And that's the same with the weight room. Like nobody is like, man, I really want to be friends with Rustin because he can bench press over 350 pounds. Nobody says that. Nobody cares. People care about how you make them feel. If you want to be the best version of yourself, determine how you make other people feel. Because if you can make them feel amazing and wonderful and happy and blah, 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 and you can get them to laugh and do all these things, that you're on the right track. But they're not going to be like, man, I got to be friends with this guy. He can, he can squat a million pounds. That's not going to happen. So men, recheck or rethink your workout routines and what the purpose is. Because all my guys in my program, they do my follow-along dumbbell workouts and they absolutely love them. And they, and they hear me ranting on a regular basis. Dude, keep the ego in check. Leave it at the door. Do not show up to these workouts with me thinking that we need to be lifting crazy one rep maxes or three reps or you know even five. Is, who cares, right? If you can lift super heavy weight, for eight, nine, 10, 12 reps, that's awesome. And it's more likely you're not going to get injured from those 10, 12 reps lifting really heavy because your body's a, it can last that long. When we get down to that three rep range, you're, you're asking for it. I'm telling you. And as we get older, gentlemen, I'm going to be 42 this year. As you get older, your body is, is more likely going to suffer from an injury as you press that ego more and more right out there. So pay attention to that. Um, but yeah, the one rep max thing, I see everyone posting like these numbers on Facebook, Instagram, honestly, nobody cares. Maybe your, your other buddy who's trying to do the one rep max and you're competing with each other. Maybe you might be the only two that care, but your wife or your spouse or your significant other, they don't. <laughs> my wife, Bonnie, doesn't love me more because I can lift super heavy weight. It's not, does she love me for my muscles and my strength and my masculine presence and my visual masculine uh, essence? Sure. But it's not because I lift more weights and the weights have got to be something that you're paying attention to and being smart with. And that's something I did. I dial in with my coaching too. My guys, they all know where we should be and what we're doing with our lifting. Um, and that's something we coach, you know, I coach my men on. So anyway, uh, pay attention to that technique and, and, and form form and technique um, and your posture. Those are 10 times more important than the amount of weight or the amount of reps that you're doing. That's truly something you've got to like etch into your mind to remember that as you lift. And it doesn't take much, gentlemen. I've been to places where my ego gets a little ahead of me in my weights. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my word, I felt a tweak. Thankfully, it hasn't been anything crazy, but it, it, it pulls me right back to, oh, my gosh, why am I needing to lift this much? I don't. I don't need to. I can do more sets or more reps, um, and I can maintain my form and technique if I need to. Or I can set the weight down and move on to something else. But, it, yeah, pay attention to that. Okay. Um, oh, my word. 
This is another one on the Facebook. Guys, stop posting that you're throwing up after a workout or that you almost puked after a workout or that you're drenched in sweat. after. <laughs> I cannot stand this. I'm ranting today. So I hope you're enjoying this. Um, nobody cares. And also, if you did throw up, you just threw up a bunch of nutrients. You created a very acidic level uh, around you know, your esophagus. You, you just did a bunch of bad stuff by throwing up. That didn't help you. You're not going to recover better. You just lost nutrients. You dehydrated yourself. Your body's going to take, it's going to take more for it to recover from that workout. So the whole throwing up thing needs to be like, it's not a bad, uh, let's see, a badge of honor, right? To post up that you are killing yourself in the gym and throwing up. Okay. That's not what a muscular gentleman needs to be doing to become the best version of himself. Now, if you're a Navy SEAL and you're training to survive a mission and protect your buddies, and you're puking based on the training that you're doing, because you need to push your body to the absolute like nth degree to be that, I guess, prepared for what's to come. That is a hundred percent different. Okay. If you're like me, and you're a regular person who doesn't isn't in the military and saving lives on that level, uh, then stop. Stop with the throwing up thing. Okay, I don't even care if you're an OCR racer uh, uh, or yeah, obstacle course racer, or if you do these crazy marathon. Don't throw up. Okay, <laughs> it's not it's it's not necessary to get to where you want to go. All right, and and the sweating thing. Look, the more you look. Everybody sweats differently. This goes back to our predisposed genetic code. We all sweat differently and we all sweat in different places and we all sweat a certain amount, but that's a genetic thing. Uh, so again, bragging about like that, you just soaked your shirt and sweat. I've met people that barely sweat in workouts, but they can push just as hard or harder than other people. And I've met people that start moving barely up the stairs and they're dripping in sweat. So sweating is not an indicator of a solid workout on any level. It's just part of your body cooling itself down for whatever reason it might be. But that is genetics, my friends. Uh, my grandpa uh, on my dad's side, you know, I, when I was younger, I, I found all these cool shirts that he had in a back closet in like a guest room. And I was like, oh my word, these are awesome. I, want, I never saw him wear them. So I asked him, like, can I have these shirts? He's like, sure. Yeah, I don't wear them. And so I took, I don't know, maybe five or six cool shirts that were super old, but I thought they were so cool. And oh my gosh, the sweat stains on those things. It was like too much for me, for me to even wear them. But, uh, but yeah, my, my grandpa was a sweater. He just, he sweated like crazy and that's just what he, you know, that's what he did. Um, I glisten a little bit for a while. It takes me, it takes me a while to start sweating in my workouts, you know, depending on what I'm doing, but um, yeah, there, don't, don't don't base your workouts or the quality of your workouts on sweating. All right. Bad idea or throwing up, especially throwing up. Don't do that. Um, okay. So hopefully we knocked that one out. Now we got spin cardio fads. Yeah, this is, this is good. All right. Peloton. Uh, don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> I have nothing against Peloton. I have nothing against spinning and I have nothing against cardio. Okay. It's really good for your heart. Um, it can create a little bit of a caloric deficit. Let me just break this down to you, okay? Strength training, and I mean this for everyone, everyone, women, I don't care what age you are, men, everyone, lifting weights will always trump cardio, okay? Uh, from, from like an eagle eye, from, from a broad, broad spectrum view, it will always trump cardio because what we're doing is we're building more muscle for the body. And when you build more muscle, you win, okay? If you look at the statistics, if you look at the research, when you get older and you get into your like 60s, 70s, 80s, the person with the most muscle mass wins, okay? I'm serious. Uh, it's fine to have a little bit of fat, actually. There's some research showing that too. And I don't mean like, that, not like the typical standard 70% of American overweight fat, but just some fat is okay. Um, but you'll see... The more muscle mass you have, you will win in the long game as far as how to live a better, more productive and, joy and, and joyful. <laughs> Did I just say enjoyful? I don't think that's a word. Uh, but you will enjoy life so much more into your older, in, you know, into your elderly life by having more muscle. You'll be able to do more. You'll be able to lift things 
better uh, and you'll last longer. You'll protect your skeletal system. You'll protect your joints. You'll protect your body with more muscle mass. I'm not trying to get you to look like a bodybuilder. I just need you to get more muscle mass. Okay. You're not going to look like a freak. I promise it it won't happen, Um, but you're going to feel better with more muscle. So lifting weights has so many more benefits. Now, does that mean you shouldn't do cardio? No, that's not the case. You should do cardio because it's good for your heart. And that's another muscle we need to make sure that we're maintaining. However, it shouldn't be the only thing you do. Every time you do cardio, all you're doing is burning calories in the moment. Okay. So let's say you do cardio for an hour and you burn 300 calories. That's it. Okay. Moving on for the rest of your day, nothing else happens. Those cal- You don't continue to burn more calories after that. You're done. You burn through 300 calories. Great. You burn through 300 calories. That's not even that much of a deficit. And that's probably a typical amount of what people burn, three, four, 500. You can down 500 calories so fast. It's not even funny. Okay. And, and this is where I see tons of people falter here is they, they focus on cardio to lose weight. Unless you're doing hours and hours and hours of cardio to create a caloric deficit along with your diet, the weight loss is going to be very limited and you're not going to see the results you're looking for. Okay. Again, this goes back, uh, gentlemen, to comparing yourself to a long distance runner who burns through fat and is skinny uh, and a lot of times skinny fat. Like I knew, I know a guy that that's an OCR racer. He does a million of them, like millions and millions and millions of them. And he doesn't strength train enough and he doesn't eat for what he's doing. And he is overweight. And and it's like, I want to help him so bad because the diet has got to be in check for something like that. But also he should lift more weights uh, than just doing these distance things. Anyway, uh, my point is, is you can look at a distance person and look at their physique and you can look at a sprinter and look at their physique. Which one would you rather have? I want to say 10 out of 10 guys I've ever asked this question have said they want to look like the sprinter. They want muscle. They want definition. They want some tone. They want to feel shredded and they want energy. They don't want to look just skinny. That's it. That's all you get. You're skinny. Uh, there's some guys out there. I know a few that have managed to look good and be a distance athlete. Okay. There's a few out there and you probably know I'm talking about you, (laughs) but for the most part, I'd say 95% of them out there don't look like a, a strong muscular physique. They look skinny and weak and more likely than not, there are pretty weak compared to the guy that's lifting weights on a consistent basis. Okay. So uh, again, things to consider, but when it comes to cardio, you're only burning the cow. If you're using it to lose weight, you're doing it wrong. Okay. Use muscle to lose weight, speed up your metabolism, burn through food on a 24 hour basis. When you lift weights, your body's taking the next 24 to 48 hours to repair itself. And it's speeding up its metabolism to do it. And so you're burning calories long after you lift weights. All right. And, and, and I'll tell you too, when I'm lifting weights, there's times where I am pushing myself so hard that it's, I'm going into an anaerobic state. Okay. And I'm creating an almost a cardio like effect on my heart because it's having to pump so fast to keep up with how heavy and how, how much I'm doing within my workouts. Okay. And I don't mean heavy, like a one rep max, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, lifting weights has far more significant effects on the body that are positive than just doing cardio. Okay. It's always going to trump it. So just remember that. And, you know, if you're going to do the Peloton, do it once or twice a week, but doing the Peloton and even their strength training, whatever they have, it's not enough. Okay. I'm telling you, it's not enough. You need more stimulus than that. And here's the thing too. If you look at society, let's look at this. Let's just, let's just be logical here. Let's be super masculine. Let's be logical. And and let's reason this our way through this. Society right now, at least in the United States, is 70, I think it's like 67% overweight and obese, right? That is staggering numbers. So I think we're at the peak here, right? This is like the most overweight people per capita or per the population of America it's ever been. That is really bad, okay? So what do we think that we should be doing? Most people think they need to go do cardio and just eat a little less. Maybe that works a little bit, but you're going to stall out. I've seen people go do cardio. Like they did, like I knew a lady who did Zumba and she lost like 10 pounds in the first two weeks and she was so excited. But that's because she kept eating the same things and the cardio was creating a caloric deficit of just enough, maybe let's say three or 400 calories for her to lose those 10 pounds. And then she never lost another pound ever again. That was it. She continued to do Zumba 
and she never lost any more weight. She said she felt better. I'm sure her heart was stronger and better. I'm sure there's some benefits, but like as far as her weight loss, because she still needed to lose another 60, 70 pounds. She was stuck, but it's because she was just putting herself in a caloric deficit at the beginning, just enough to lose those 10 pounds and then it stalls. So what would she have to do? She'd have to do another art hour of, of Zumba, another hour of Zumba, another, like it would just c- continue to be like, all right, if we want to get to those 70 pounds, we're doing four hours of Zumba. And that's, that's ridiculous, right? That's ridiculous. So um, just don't try to cardio your way out of, or cardio your way to the weight loss goals that you're trying to hit. Right. Um, but, but yeah, so 67%, I think that's the number. I, I might be a little bit off there, but it's somewhere in that range of overweight pop uh, of the overweight population in the United States. Most people are doing it wrong. And most people that try to lose weight fail and give up and go back to that 67%, right? So you'll see people you know, trying to leave the, the herd of, of overweight people and they try to lose weight, but they're most of the time they're doing it wrong. It's too hard because the effort to do more and more and more cardio is ridiculous. Let weights, weight training do a lot of the work for you. Okay. You're going to see better results that way. Um, all right. So that's the cardio effect, but yeah, the, the, the spin bike do it a couple times a week, but don't make it your workout. All right. Uh, stretching and foam rolling. Uh, I hear this all the time. Okay. Somebody gets injured and they're like, oh, I should have stretched more. No, you shouldn't have. <laughs> or I hear somebody be like, oh, you know, I should, I should foam roll more often. Let me just explain how this works. Okay. Uh, your body is designed to move on, you know, from, from let's say I'm going to jump up and run to that, to that wall. My body's capable of doing that without me having to stretch beforehand. And there's research showing that stretching before working out actually inhibits or I should say lowers your performance levels, okay? It actually lowers the performance of the tissues, the muscle fibers um, adequately reacting the way they should and moving the way they should as you work out. So stretching before you work out is a bad idea. Now, mobility work, that's different, okay? So I'm just gonna dive in here right now, but there's a huge difference between mobility and flexibility, okay? The difference is, is mobility is the range of motion of your joints. It's the ability of your joint to move in a certain number of degrees, all right? And it can only move in certain ways. Each joint has its own role, right? It moves a certain way. Flexibility is the range of motion or the length in which a muscle can actually lengthen, okay? So it's the range of motion of of a muscle, not a joint. So mobility is your joints. Flexibility is your muscles, Huge difference, guys. Huge difference. So when you're stretching, you're essentially just stretching out the muscles a little bit. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's a lot of research showing, and this is something I teach in my mobility course, but there's research showing that by like if you stretch, let's say you stretched your hamstrings for 30 to 60 seconds, then you stretched your quads, and then you stretched your chest, and then you stretched your lats and all these different things. You're stretching, stretching, stretching. It's showing, the research is showing that you will go back to those tight states 99% of the time within like a 24-hour period. You'll go right, usually it's faster. It's like three to four hours. You'll go right back into a tight state. So what do we do? How do we become more flexible? Well, we go after mobility, okay? Because when I increase the range of motion around my joints, I'm going to need to use muscles to do it. And if you're listening or you're watching, let me explain this. I'm going to teach you something really cool, okay? I want you to flex your bicep for me, okay? Flex the bicep as as tight as you can, all right? So we're flexing the bicep. What is the muscle group on the opposite side? This is the agonist, okay? If we're going to look at some, you know, some uh, terms in the kinesiology world, but this is your agonist muscle. There's an antagonist, the opposite side. So if you're listening and you're flexing your bicep, the tricep is the opposite muscle group, right? To the bicep. So we have our bicep and then we have our tricep. They're agonist and antagonist muscles, okay? They're opposing muscle groups. Here's the deal. You can't flex your bicep and your tricep at the same time, at least to a maximal degree, all right? It's just not gonna happen. The body won't be able to move effectively. So when I flex my bicep, my tricep has to relax in order to get into this flexion. The same thing goes on the other side. If I, if I flex my tricep, 
my bicep has to relax. Okay. So I'm flexing the backside of my arm, my bicep relaxes. That's how the body moves correctly. Okay. So when we flex, the opposite side relaxes. So what that means is that when we're improving the range of motion in certain joints of the body, we're using muscles to actually improve that, not just stretching. Okay. Stretching can only do so much. It's more passive. It's not activating muscle groups. Okay. The same way. But when I go into some mobile mobility work, that the mobility work that I teach and that I use in my muscular gentleman program, what I teach you to do is activate and flex certain muscle groups so that the opposite side relaxes and we improve the range of motion in the joint. All right. So an example might be uh, your hip flexors are tight. Okay. Those are the muscle groups, your psoas. It's the muscle group on the front of your hip. And it's usually in a shortened state because you sit too much. All right. And when you sit that much, those muscles, those psoas muscles get in this shortened state. And then you've got this, what you think is super tight, right? And you have limited range of motion in the hip. When I say limited range of motion in the hip, I mean, you can't extend the hip the way it should. Okay. So you lose joint range of motion there. If I could, and what that does is turns off your butt. Okay. So for all you people that sit too much, including myself, we turn our butt off on a regular basis too often to where our glutes, which are supposed to be very strong. I mean, some of the strongest muscles in your body, okay, not the strong, but some of the strongest muscles in your body. And it's responsible for a hip hinge, like deadlifting, things like that. Um, when I, when I lose that ability to, to be strong in that area and I lose range of motion in the hips, how do I get it back? Right? So instead of just stretching, which we can do, we can stretch the hip flexors a little bit, but what's going to happen is you're going to tighten back up because you're, you're sitting, you're still sitting on a regular basis and your glutes have never activated quite enough to help improve the joint range of motion in the hip. So what I teach is, yeah, we can stretch a little bit, but let's do some bridges where you lay on your back, you put your knees up and your feet are flat on the floor. It's called a hook line position. Let's do some bridges. Let's do some pelvic tilts flex the glutes, bridge up as high as you can. Let's create some activation in the muscle group on the opposite or antagonist side. And then we're going to open up those hips. Okay. So we're doing an active movement where we're lifting with the body and the muscle, and we're creating a better range of motion in the hip flexor or the psoas by using the muscle on the opposite side. That's what mobility work is. And that's one of the best ways you can train yourself to improve even flexibility on a number of levels. Okay. And I've seen this work over and over and over for people. And it, it's, it's per, more permanent because you're not just stretching a muscle group and letting the fibers move themselves back into a tight state. You're activating other muscle groups to keep the, the ones that are tight and shortened open. Okay. So that's something you should know. Um, so when it comes to, should I stretch more so that you can prevent injury? Not necessarily. I suggest you do more mobility work if you want to uh, avoid injuries. And foam rolling is a great way to tap into the central nervous system and open up the muscle tissues. Um, foam rolling is basically self-myofascial uh, self release. It's releasing knots and tissues and adhesions throughout the body. Um, it's this kind of white film kind of stuff that holds the whole body together. It holds your skin to your muscles and all this stuff. Um, but when we roll out that fascial tissue, it does. It taps into the central nervous system. It's allowing you to improve joint range of motion but it's not the best way to do it. So a lot of times I'll have my guys foam roll before they do, um, before they do their, their mobility work. And it's a nice way to kind of, kind of use the, like, uh, I should say prep the body before doing mobility. Okay. So foam rolling is great, but it's not the only thing you should be doing. Okay. It's not usually the only answer to the problem. And here's another thing I want to teach you. I'm just going to lay this out. Uh, foam rolling. If you're tight in an area, let's say you've got, you know, some tightness around your knees and you want to kind of take some pressure off the knees by foam rolling your quads and the side of your you know thigh and maybe your hamstrings and your adductors, your inner thigh, and maybe your calves, things like that. If, if you foam roll for two weeks straight and nothing changes, the foam roller is not going to work. <laughs> okay. You've given it enough. If it Usually you'll see a result in one to two weeks of foam rolling. And if nothing changes after that, stop doing it. It's not going to fix the problem. If, if you're trying to use it as a, as a method to an injury or something like that. But if it is the answer, you'll know within a week or two. 
Okay. So just something to remember is foam rolling is either going to work pretty quickly or it's not going to work at all. When I say quickly, I mean one to two weeks. It, it shouldn't, it most likely doesn't fix anything in one to two days, more like one to two weeks, but past that two week mark, you're probably wasting your time. Okay. So just something to think about. Um, all right. Another question. If you can't touch your toes. Okay. This is some, so I, I, somebody, I get a lot of clients that can't touch their toes. All right. There's so many different things to go into this question of, you know, what does it mean when I can't touch my toes? Obviously you're going to think that you're not flexible, maybe, or you're not mobile. Your hips aren't mobile. You can't hip hinge correctly. You can't move adequately around the joints, which means you feel like you're tight in your hamstrings when really there's a big difference between tight hamstrings and taut hamstrings. So, you know, it's, it sounds weird, but to be honest with you, uh, you might have taut hamstrings. You might have tight hamstrings. I don't know. So I'd have to look at you and kind of assess what's going on when you can't touch your toes. But I, t- I will tell you most of the time I have to improve mobility with people in order for their toe touch to improve. And when I improve their hip hinge, when I improve the way they move through joints, I improve the toe touch. One thing I should tell people is I would not, and I tell this to my men, I would not deadlift if you can't touch your toes. Okay. If your glutes don't work properly, we talked about that a little bit is getting your glutes to activate, like doing a bridge, things like that. And again, this is a test that people can do, but if your glutes don't work properly and you can't touch your toes, this is something I learned from, from a physical therapist named Gray Cook. Absolutely love the guy. He's like such a, an incredible physical therapist. I'd call him really a, a trailblazer in the fitness industry and helping people understand the body better. But anyway, um, if he, he, you know, he said, if you can't touch your toes and you can't work your glutes properly, you shouldn't be deadlifting. Um, and so for all you people who keep deadlifting and you keep wondering why your lower back is killing you, it's probably because you don't have proper range of motion in the, in the hips or somewhere else in the body. And you're not using your glutes to do your deadlifts. You should always use like literally the deadlift is a power glute exercise. Okay. My men know this so many of my men, and this is something really cool for those listening. I'm going to brag a little bit more. Um, I have guys that are like, Oh my gosh, my glutes are getting bigger and better. My wife can't stop touching my butt, you know, things like you want to talk about instant attraction, uh, way to get attraction is have a butt gentlemen. Like don't wear pants where you're just like flat behind your, behind your, uh, butt build a butt women like butts, you know? Okay. So do men, but, uh, Yeah. A strong muscular physique has a nice butt and that's going to be deadlifts, but you've got to have the right stuff involved with your deadlift. So get coaching if you don't know what you're doing, but yeah, a deadlift can either be one of the best exercises you could ever do or one of the worst. Okay. I've seen people kill their backs through deadlifts, but I've also seen people build an incredible physique and be very strong from deadlifts. So it's either the worst exercise ever, or it's one of the best, but just something to think about. I love deadlifts for are under the right conditions. It's one of my favorite exercises. A lot of people do them wrong. A lot of people aren't prepped and their body's not prepared for it. And so they do it incorrectly or they use the wrong muscle groups. Um, so yeah, uh, if you can't touch your toes, you do, you should improve that. Okay. Being able to touch your toes is a sign of good mobility and good flexibility. Um, but it's, it's, it's an optimal position. The body should be able to do okay. Touching your toes. So if you can't do that, uh, from a movement standpoint, you should fix that. If you can't move it because your gut's in the way and it's like a, a, a weight thing, again, then let's go after your diet, but let's get you to touch your toes. Either way, it's not helpful. Okay. Either way. Um, let's see. I think that is it for today's show. Let me, let me see if there's any more uh, things I can go into. Um, let, let, okay. Let's just dive in real quick. Let's dive in really quick into food. Okay. Some nutrition stuff. Um I'm, this isn't a question, but this is something that I constantly have to tell people. So I want to say it on the show. I want to say it on the show for people listening. Most people do not get enough protein in their diet. And when I have people, a lot of my men, right, I'll have them do like three or four days where they just kind of watch their diet and they track their food. I'm not a, I don't like people having to track their macros and track their food all the time. I think that's absurd. Okay. If you're walking around with your phone and you're constantly having to put your food into your phone to like 
follow a macro diet or follow a, a caloric deficit or whatever that if you're constantly doing that, oh my gosh, that sounds terrible. I don't do that in, with my coaching. The idea that you need to track, like put everything in your phone on it all the time. I just find that ridiculous. Like to me, that is a bad way to live. And I see a lot of coaches do that and it drives me crazy because it's like, yeah, those numbers do help. And yeah, people can get results that way. But is that really how you want to live? Like you're attached to your phone or you're attached to like a food journal? I just, that sucks. <laughs> okay. Anyway, but most people do not get enough protein in their diets. I can't emphasize this enough. Okay. When my muscular jump, my men that join the program, I literally lay out a, I think two, like over a dozen research articles. And a lot of these are meta-analysis research articles showing like conclusive evidence that you can never get too much protein. Like you're not going to hurt your kidneys. You're not going to have all these kidney stones. You're not going to have all these issues because of too much protein. Okay. It's just not in the research. It's not there. You can have way more protein than you think you're getting in your body. Now, if you're having bowel movement issues, then we need to talk about enough fiber, enough, you know, vegetables, things like that. But most people do not get enough protein. And when I say that, I mean, you should have adequate, and I mean, a ton of protein in every single meal that you put in your body. Protein is critical for you to get results, for you to feel better, for you to have uh, society for, uh, satiety. I hate that word. I can never say it right, but to feel satisfied long enough between the next meal, uh, to build enough muscle to speed up your metabolism. It's a high thermal food. Okay. This, the thermal effect on of protein on the body is you're, you'll typically burn more calories to actually eat and digest that food, the protein than any other food. It's a high thermal effect food, but protein is huge. Okay. And I hate it because not enough people eat enough of it. So get more protein in your diet. Even if you think it's enough, I bet you it's not. And if you start tracking, I have my guys track for three to four days. That's it. I just like them to be able to get a snapshot of what they're doing with their diet. So we spend three or four days tracking and every single time, every single time the guy tracks, he goes, Oh my gosh, it's so hard to get enough protein. I'm not getting enough. I'm like, I know. <laughs> so they start to learn and retrain how to get there. And I teach them how to do that. But I promise you, you're not getting enough protein. I, I'm just banking on it right now. Okay. So protein in every meal, more protein in your diet overall, you're going to see better results. All right. Uh, supplements. People ask, what are the best supplements? I get asked a lot. I suggest you go back to one of my episodes where I interviewed Jared Ragsdale, who is the owner of Nutra Authority Supplements, who is the supplement uh, sponsor for the muscular gentleman, um, incredible su supplement line, but I suggest you go back and listen to that. Cause we go in deep detail about all the best supplements that you should be taking, whether you're a beginner or you've been doing this for a long time and based on what your goals are. So do that. But off the top of my head, I'll just tell you, uh, protein is a great supplement to use. It's more of a food than it is a supplement, but it, you know, whey protein isolate is my favorite. I'd say that because it's basically lactose free. I want to take lactose out of the system because not because you're lactose intolerant, but because it disrupts and causes inflammation in the body most of the time for most people. So if I can avoid lactose, I will with most of my men. Um, and so, yeah, whey protein is a great supplement. BCAAs are a great supplement. I use them for recovery. Uh, lowering soreness or decreasing DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness. Uh, so BCA is great supplement to use. And I love creatine. The creatine I prefer is Nutrithority's Creagon. The way that they've developed this creatine is you don't have to load it, which means you don't have to take it like in high doses for a week straight and load it up into your system and then start, you know, seeing the results. So there's no loading, there's no bloating. Uh, a lot of, of creatine monohydrates I've taken, um, I've gotten bloating and all sorts of issues. I feel absolutely incredible on it. I see, I feel the results. I can feel a difference within one or two workouts of using this stuff. I'm seeing that I can get that extra rep in um, one or two reps, but yeah, I mean, creagon's phenomenal. So creatine's another one. I'd say those are the three best really um, to start with. So when it comes to supplements, you don't need like $500 a month of supplements. It's just eat real food and you're going to get great results. Supplements are just like 
a sliver of the pie as far as what you need to be doing to get results. Unfortunately, most or a lot of you guys think that supplements are like the answer to the problem. <clears throat> and that's not the case. So I don't really push my supplements that hard on my guys. Like I don't, I don't say in order to be in my program, in order to do my, my program, you have to have supplements. No, I do not do that. I just put them out there as an option to something to have in them as they do the program and get, you know, the weight loss or shredded or whatever we're after. But like, it is not the make or break part of the equation to get results. So supplements, yeah, take them or leave them. They can enhance a little bit, but they're not going to make or break your results. Food will. Food is like the key, right? Um, now, with that said, I'll say this. I believe when people are like, oh, it's 90% nutrition. Yeah, it, nutrition is either the problem or it's part of the answer. But when you combine weightlifting with good nutrition, you're going to see incredible results, okay? The combo together of lifting weights and dialing in your nutrition, which I teach in the form of meal prepping and meal planning correctly, uh, if you dial those two things in, oh my gosh. And then we add accountability, right? With the coaching, you get expert coaching. I'm going to speed line everything for you. But yeah, if you add all that together, plus with the muscular gentleman, you get community and we dial in your mindset from a masculinity standpoint, but we do all those things and oh my gosh, sky's the limit. Okay. Uh, it's amazing what, what I see with these guys uh, getting the results they get when they dial all those things in. It's so great. Uh, we actually had a guy in the program lose 50, no, 70 pounds. I think it was 67 pounds if we're being completely you know, accurate. 67 pounds in 90 days. And I mean, legit. I mean, you could see the before and afters on the website, but legitimately lost 67 pounds in 90 days just following everything I taught him. And he's like, this is easier than I thought it'd be. <laughs> but that's because we simplify everything. I don't make you have to plug everything in all the time. Every time you eat, you're not going to sit there on your phone when you work with me. Okay. I don't want to see that. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Diets. Look, everyone's like, what's the best diet? There is none. I've seen them all work and I've seen them all fail. I've seen paleo work. I've seen keto work. I've seen, I've seen all of them work at some degree. So there is not a single diet out there that's like perfect. Do I think what I teach the muscular gentleman is phenomenal? Yeah, because it's something you can do for like the rest of your life. It's completely sustainable. It, I teach you how to meal prep and I teach you how to meal plan for the rest of your life. Okay. So to me, that is the best diet is what's sustainable. The best diet is what you can do the rest of your life. Feel good, be healthy, hit certain you know biomarkers of health. Um, if you can do all those things, uh, forever, then you found the right diet. That's my answer for the, what's the best diet. Um, when it comes to weight loss, it's pretty simple. We're trying to dial in macros and we're trying to put you in a caloric deficit. There's multiple ways to be in a caloric deficit and it's not cardio, uh, but there's foods with high thermal effect where we can create a caloric deficit with the right foods. And we created a caloric deficit by eating less of the right foods. Uh, there's a number of ways to do this. So, um, Caloric deficit doesn't just mean eating a thousand calories or 800 calories. Don't do that. You'll slow your metabolism down. There's a perfect balance. I shouldn't say perfect, but there's an ideal balance to a caloric deficit. And most people just think, oh, I'll just, I'll eat like once a day and I'll eat 800 calories. Cool. You're slowing your metabolism down on multiple levels. Okay. The people that do intermittent fasting, do it correct. Like the ones that are successful are doing it very, a very specific way. And I've seen so many people do the uh, intermittent fasting and get terrible results, or they're just like, yeah, I lost like three or four pounds, or maybe they lost eight pounds, but then they're just stuck there. That's because you're not doing it in a very strategic way. So if you want to do the whole intermittent fasting, you should get a coach. Okay. If you want to do keto, I did a keto uh, episode with uh, Danny Vega, who is a legit keto coach. If you want to do keto, go get him as a coach. Okay. Don't get me. I'm not a keto coach. He is. If you want to do keto, do that. Okay. Do I like keto? No, but it doesn't mean it doesn't help a lot of people, but they have to do it correctly. And it's very, you have to be very strategic about how you do this stuff. So when it comes to keto, yeah, it can work. Uh, you can lose a lot of muscle, but if you get a good coach, you might not. So, I mean, look, there, all of them can work, but is it sustainable? Is it something you want to do the rest of your life? Don't do keto just like to, to like lose 30 pounds and then go back to your regular lifestyle. 
That's not how it works. If you want to do like, like Danny, Danny went keto and he's keto forever. Okay. Danny is keto for as long as I think until he finds something better, but he has found something that has worked for him on an, an incredible level. Okay. And I have found what works for me and my muscular gentleman forever. Okay. I'm not going to change the way I eat uh, unless, unless I find something better, but I, I, I'm not really looking because I'm happy <laughs> with my body, with my energy, all that stuff. So, okay. Uh, let's see what else is on here. Oh, working out on an empty stomach. This goes back to cardio. Okay. If you're working out on an empty stomach, if it's long, slow cardio, that's fine. Sip on some BCAAs. If you're lifting weights on an empty stomach, you're probably wasting muscle. So you should figure out how to work out with something in your stomach. If you can work out eating like 30, 45 minutes before your workout, I highly, highly suggest it. So if you want to do early morning workouts, that's fine, but figure out how to way to get food in your system because your body will waste muscle. Lifting weights on an empty stomach is a bad idea. Okay. I do not recommend it to anybody uh, unless you want to waste muscle, unless you're just trying to lose a ton of weight and you don't care what it is, which is stupid, by the way. I hate saying that, but it is. If you're just trying to lose a ton of weight and you don't care if you lose muscle, uh, then yeah, lift weights on an empty stomach. If you want to maximize your results and speed up your results, then get something in your system at least 30 minutes before and then lift weights. Okay. Your body will be able to use that. But when you wake up at five in the morning, let's say you didn't eat, let's say you ate at 7 a.m. or sorry, let's say you ate the night before at 7 p.m. and then you went to sleep and you're getting up at five. Well, now we've fasted. What is that? Seven. Let's say you finished eating at seven. I'm just throwing this out there. Eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. That's five hours. Another five. So 10 hours of just no eating, right? So you fasted for 10 hours. That's, that's a decent fast. Okay. Your, your system is definitely empty. Okay. You're going to waste muscle when you lift at 5 a.m. So have something in your system. All right. Just, there's no other way to do that. Uh, a lot of people I see stagnant with results realize that they were lifting too often on an empty stomach. And then we change that up and they start seeing results again. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. Those, those are the questions that I'm going to answer this time. I'll do another round of these for sure. So if you're an avid listener and you love the show and you have questions, send them to me. Okay. I'll answer them. There's so many questions out there that, that I left out on the table, but those are some big ones. There's some very common ones that I see. And I think that uh, hopefully, hopefully this episode helped you a little bit from Kind of debunking some of the things that are out there or questions you might have asked yourself and never got an answer to. So there you go, gentlemen. I uh, hope this helped and thank you for listening. Uh, I had a blast talking to myself, <laughs> no, talking to you guys. And uh, yeah, I hope to uh, see you guys in the next episode. We're going to have a really special guest. So I'm ex- excited to announce who that is. But um, until then, thanks for listening and I'll see you guys next week. You guys have a great one. You've been listening to The Muscular Gentleman. Finally, a podcast that's unapologetic for being a man. Thanks for joining us this week. Make sure you visit the website, www.themusculargentleman.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you like the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or just tell a buddy about the show. That would help too. Don't forget, Rustin is available for private coaching. Embrace your masculinity and live the life you've always wanted. See you next time on The Muscular Gentleman.